Welcome to the Are We Still Here podcast, where we talk about what really matters for you and your own health and fitness. I'm Jess. And I'm Sasha. And each week we'll come to you with a no-nonsense topic, which will make you challenge your own thoughts and ask, are we still here? Don't forget to like, share and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And let's get to today's pod. Hello. Hello. How are you, Jess? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. We've got a special guest on the pod with us today. I know. Are we keep? Are we doing a little build-up like suspense so people don't know for a while? Yeah. Uh, you. Why don't you tell me how you know this guest first? Because oh. you introduced me. I. I well, Holly and I. I've said the name anyway. Holly and I. <laughs> <laughs> we've never actually met, but I think I know of you, Holly, through Craig. I think. Yeah. I think Craig shared Holly's stuff. I saw it. I followed mm-hmm. Holly. You uh, know, yeah. you know how social media works. How about you, Jess? Well, yeah, you shared. I think either you or Craig had maybe shared something that Holly had done, and then that's how you came into my world, Holly. <laughs> so, why don't you come into everyone else's world and explain uh, a little bit um, of who you are, what you do, um, and we'll jump into today's pod. Yeah, um, so my name is Holly. Um, I am 25 and I'm a personal trainer and online coach from Chorley in Lancashire. Chorley, <laughs> Chorley. Is, I Chorley where, is Chorley where Max and Paddy was filmed, am I right? <laughs> that's the only reference I have to Chorley. Isn't that Bolton? Even I know that, Jess. No, I'm sure it was some sort of Chorley <laughs> reference. Maybe I'm wrong. Never mind. I did actually wonder where you lived. I thought it was around here, but I wasn't actually yeah. sure. And you're only 25. Yeah. I didn't know you I'm were only 25. <laughs> God, if I was that, if I was like you at 25, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what day it was. I was all over the shop. How that's amazing that you're only 25. I mean, I'm not saying you look older, but from what, <laughs> from what you say on social media, um, you're much more level-headed I think that's you're a lot more I was going to use the word enlightened but you're a lot more enlightened <laughs> yeah that's a good word oh, thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like that I like that word I think it's a I think it's a good word to use in, in this scenario yeah, yeah. When I was... <laughs> you was you was not neither was I to be fair I no. started when I was 25 to be fair how, how long have you been coaching Holly um five years I think I did one year at uni and then decided that that was not the path for me and then yeah I got into PT pretty much straight after that so yeah I think five years now which is so scary to think about because it doesn't feel like it's been that at all but yeah five years but that's crazy because when you're when you're our age when so I'm 32 next month so when you you would have been doing it for like 12 years mm. <laughs> That's mental. That's so God. That's really good though, because you get to see what PT is like in your early twenties, which is I think we can all admit that when we're 21, we're not really sure what's going on. Um so yeah, you'll have a decade of experience by the time you're 30, which is something that not many people in the industry have. Not many people in the industry have t- 10 years of experience because 95 is it what is it? 90% of people drop out or something. Wow. Okay. I feel like I've just gone into like a little zone of like Yeah, yeah. Of, of <laughs> making yourself feel Yeah. Making yourself feel old or making yourself feel enlightened. Which one is it? 
oh god no I don't feel old I just feel like <laughs> I, just think it's, I just think it's amazing to see someone who's 25 who is who doesn't who has like a lot of experience but like is saying good stuff because obviously we have loads of 25 coaches 25 year old coaches around um, yeah no I think it's cool I think it's cool anyway <laughs> another blowing smoke up Holly's ass <laughs> <laughs> I like I like being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Holly's like I'm going to come here more often. Um, <laughs> um, in regards to your degree, though, out of interest, what did you do for that one year? What did you think you were going to go into? So I did fashion design. I went to Edinburgh to do fashion design. Um, still kind of linking to like the sport because I wanted to do sportswear design. Like that is what I wanted to do. Um, unfortunately the course at Edinburgh just wasn't set up that way it was a very small intake it was very intense it was a great course but they wanted to produce like high fashion designers and that was just not what I wanted to do at all so the whole thing just felt a bit forced and yeah I think I got to like February and I was like mum I'm gonna finish the year but I don't I don't want to do this anymore this is this wow. not what I want. so yeah that's so interesting because I did fashion at uni. Did you? I actually, yeah, I did fashion buying and merchandising at Manchester Met. So more like the business side, nothing to yeah. do with design really. But I did textiles in A level. Yeah. The girl I did textiles with at A level, Holly, who's also called Holly, did fashion design in Edinburgh. Nice. <laughs> that, and she she actually did complete the course. She was doing, um, um, and oh God, this is weird. and she was doing designing like um she designed like leotards and stuff for gymnastics how weird is that what on earth (laughs) what parallel universe have we (laughs) but yeah we made good fashion that's funny um first time I've ever heard someone else say it like when even when my clients are like oh you went to uni what did you do at uni I think everyone expects me to be like oh sports science and then when I say fashion I'm like what fashion (laughs) after I'm not doing this but Yeah. yeah No, that's, um, I get that because, well, speaking of Craig, he always said, I'm like a really non-sporty person. I'm like not athletic at all. What did he, he called me something the other day, like a, a it's someone who basically doesn't adapt to anything in fitness, just like a, another way of saying a loser, basically. <laughs> and um, yeah, I didn't, I like didn't even used to do a P at school. I used to get a no and say that I was on my period when I wasn't. I just hated it. Um, yeah. And then I did fashion at uni nothing and then somehow I've been doing this for eight years it's just a bit odd really but I like that I like it I feel like clients relate to me sometimes because I'm not just like this really really sporty person from childhood and neither were they um but no that's really funny I love that I haven't spoken to anyone in the fitness industry that studied for a year fashion (laughs) um speaking of back then we want you to, if possible, go over your background in fitness, any sport, just since you were a kid, really, and how you got to where you are at this lovely young age of 25. Yeah, of course. So I, um, ironically, was that sporty person. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are super sporty people. They're both PE teachers. My mum taught like gymnastics and swimming on the side when I was younger. So sport's always been like a really big part of my life like it's something I've always been involved in um my first love was gymnastics I did that initially where my mum used to teach and then moved to like a gymnastics academy like dedicated place that was a little bit more serious um 
and I loved that but I just I don't think I was at the time the right size and shape to be particularly successful as a gymnast I was super tall um which unfortunately is not something I've kept into adulthood but when <laughs> I was a kid I was massive I was like whole head and shoulders above everyone else um so yeah I think I stopped gymnastics towards the end of primary school um I was swimming by that point already just at like my local swimming club and then when I went to high school I transitioned to like squad swim training um which was again a little bit more serious and that took up the majority of my teens um and it was pretty heavy going it was like before school training after school training I think I spent like 20 hours a week at the peak of it um which is obviously a lot when you're like 14 or whatever um so yeah um I've always done a lot of sport I think at the time I was sort of a bit blind to the effects that elite level sport can sort of have on you into adulthood like that is something I'm much more aware of now um but yeah I think when I think back to the times that I felt like the least like myself uni being one of them it's always been the times where there hasn't where I haven't really had like a sport or anything fitnessy or like active that I've been doing um at uni I put on a lot of weight as do most people um because you know alcohol suddenly in control of your own food all the rest of it um and then when I stopped uni lost a lot of weight started like a fitness Instagram attracted following on that quite quickly which kind of further reinforced this like tie I had between my like self-worth and my sporting ability and also kind of added that extra layer of self-worth and my body now um so that was an interesting time um but yeah got really into lifting eventually got to the point where I was like I don't care about my body anymore but all I'd really done was just replace tying my self-worth to how big my glutes were to how much I could squat bench and deadlift so that wasn't entirely healthy either um and now I do jiu-jitsu as a sport Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I feel like I'm finally at a point where I actually have like a healthy approach to sport like I'm very glad that I've done it my entire life but this kind of feels like now I'm finally at the point where it's in like a it's in a healthy enjoyable way and I don't feel like my entire person depends on my ability to do it well so yeah that's that's there's a lot to talk about there <laughs> yeah there's a lot to unpick yeah, join, join us for episode two of holly saying it i could think of i'm sure jessica i'm just sure jess is sitting there thinking i want to know about that i want to know about that i want to know about that um loads Swimming 20 hours a week when you're a young teen is a part-time job. Yeah. And (laughs) swimming is, I I mean, again, as the non-sporty one in this group, I I could barely swim five metres. I'll drown. I'll drown. (laughs) Five (laughs) metres. I'm so bad. Just, right, I feel like I have to justify myself here because I'm a really bad swimmer, but I'm also terrified of water, of, of, like, the sea, or just... Me and my dad almost got swept away in Costa Rica when I was like 2009. How old was I then? Yeah. So since then, no. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like I've had experience. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. And it was absolutely terrifying. And just the thought of like, I don't even like going underwater. I can't like, I don't even like dipping my head underwater. I just don't like it. So just to let everyone know that I'm not just, (laughs) I have a reason. (laughs) But that is it. That is intense to have that, have school and that. Yeah. Hold how? Um, so you did, so I swam in Wigan, um, because that was kind of like the closest one to like where I lived, where I like liked the coaches and I liked the vibe, um, I guess. Um, so yeah, there was training before school, that was six till eight, so my mum would get me up about five, we'd drive to Wigan, I'd train for, well, I always had to get out a little bit early so that I wasn't late for school. Train, cram some food down my neck in the car, and then my mum would drop me off at school and I'd go straight to school and then afterwards um I think it was like six till eight in the evening so I'd go home get some food try and do a bit of homework or whatever and then my mum would run me back to Wigan and we'd do another two hours in the evening um yeah and that was like most days some days we had like we used to call it land training which I think is so funny because it's just the gym but like obviously <laughs> our training, <laughs> <That's so cool. laughs> I love that I love that it's just the gym yeah <laughs> we'd have land training a couple of times a week which was meant to be strength work but I think because we were kids and our coaches obviously weren't PTs it was like you know that kind of classic oh children shouldn't lift weight sort of thing so it was basically just more conditioning not like we needed any more aerobic mm. training than we already had but it was basically just conditioning sessions oh. so yeah I think in total it was like 20 hours worth of training a week obviously I didn't do all those sessions every week but I was pretty consistent at like the peak of my sort of performance in competition if you will so yeah it was quite heavy (laughs) and when you when you think back on that time how do you reflect on it so really positively actually like I genuinely loved swimming like I loved that so much like Mm -hmm. there would be times like as I got older where my mum and dad tried to start putting a little bit more like personal responsibility on me to be like because obviously it's a big demand on my parents as well. Like at the time I was appreciative, but I didn't truly understand like the scope of how much they were giving up and doing for me. Whereas now as an adult, I'm like, I can't believe you did that. Like I just can't. Um, but yeah, like as I got older, like sort of probably like 13, 14 onwards, because I've been doing this since I was like 11 at this point. Um, you know, my mum would be like, if you want to go morning training, like you've got to come and get us up like because I, I I love sleep I always have and I used to be like so grumpy in the morning like she'd come and try and get me up and I'd be like a absolute horror bag with her and then but it was just because I was tired it was five o'clock in the morning um so my mum was like you have to get up and you have to come and get us up and say that I want to go training yeah. let's go um and there'd be times where like I'd snooze my alarm and sleep through it and then I'd be like really annoyed at my mum that she hadn't got me up I'd be like I can't believe you didn't get me up and now I've missed training like what why would you do this to me um so yeah I genuinely really did love being there had really great friends there um yeah and just had a lot of really good experiences through it like I think when you are in any sort of elite level sport as a teenager you inevitably miss out on like normal teenager experiences but I don't feel like I'm any worse off for like not being on Skype with my friends till 2am do you know what I mean like trust me you're not (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> so people are like oh remember when we used to do this when we were a teenager and I'm sat there like I don't remember I must have been oh. a twin. so <laughs> I'm any worse off for that um so yeah I think my experience of it was actually really positive obviously as I sort of touched on when I was talking through my fitness background I think um I'm aware of ways that it sort of has impacted me in adulthood or ways that it could have impacted me um I think I got quite lucky in the sense that it wasn't too bad for me but I know lots of people that were in a similar boat unfortunately have developed some real issues off the back of it um but yeah at the time I loved it 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 was my whole world I was obsessed it was like I didn't know who I was without swimming very much so yeah lots so what was the swimming what was the goal with it in your head when you were that age did I'm guessing it was world yeah yeah I think for everyone it's like the Olympics is like this this like crystal dream of where you want to get to um and with swimming you can kind of get like a semi-decent idea of whether or not you stand any chance of getting there and when I was like 13 14 which was probably when I was performing the best in like relation to others my age um yeah there was like a moment where like we really thought like I might have a chance of being that good um as you get older obviously it becomes more apparent whether that is or isn't the case um and you have a decision to make of whether or not you're going to continue trying um or whether other things need to start taking priority. So I stopped swimming just before my A-levels. I think it was like the January of the year I was due to sit them um, because I'd just got to the point where I was like, I'm not getting any faster. Like I'm training really hard and I've not got faster in like two years at this point. And everyone else has caught up and some of them have caught up and gone past me with the times that they're swimming. And this next stage of my life is really important. And can I really afford to be giving up 20 hours of my week when I don't feel like I'm seeing the payoff anymore? Mm. Um, So yeah, but yeah, the goal is definitely like Olympics world champion. Like that's what everyone wants, I think. Um, But it's, it's still nice to do it to a high level. Like I'm not knocking that at all, but I I think everybody that I swam with, like we all wanted to to make it when we were swimming. Mm. So yeah. yeah. That must be so hard to actually sit with that and be like, hmm, yeah. I'm not getting any faster. And in order to get world domination, I have to be getting faster. Yeah, That's yeah. really, really tough. Yeah, I think, um, and that's where kind of a lot of the, like I talk about it a lot in my Instagram content because mm-hmm. these are the sorts of people who I love working with the most, mm-hmm. like ex-teenage athletes mm-hmm. because been there I get it and but that's where I think the real sort of like identity crisis (laughs) kicks in when you retire from your sport and you've sort of had to make that decision of like why why am I still doing this anymore it's you start to lose the love for it a little bit when you're just not seeing the payoff for your efforts at all and then for me competing was always the thing I loved the most like I loved to race like I really thrived under that pressure like my dad would always joke that like I was so lazy in training in comparison to like I just loved to compete like I was obsessed with it um so when you're not getting the results you want in competition for me as well massive perfectionist which is something I'm trying to work on now but back then oblivious to the fact um super competitive like the pressure that I would pile on myself with each competition where I didn't PB 
or I didn't swim well was just like mountain and mountain and mountain. So it got to the point where I just wasn't even enjoying racing anymore because every time I went, like I'd put so much pressure on myself. Like it wasn't even coming from anywhere else. Like I was very fortunate that my parents were so supportive. They couldn't have cared less whether I trained or didn't train, whether I performed well. I could have turned around to my mum and been like, I don't want to do this anymore at any point. And they'd been like, that's fine, sweetheart. Like they were, I'm so lucky in that respect. Whereas some people's parents were really pushy like I swam with kids who would get bollocks if they didn't pb like you catch their parents like down the corridor in the changing room like shouting at them like why do I swim like that so like um imagine that I'm very lucky in that respect and I I think about it all the time I'm like god if my parents had been like that it would have been a wreck there's no way I would have made it to 17 in that sport because the level of pressure I put on my own teenage self was huge so I definitely couldn't have coped with it coming from like an external source as well no way that is mental that parents can be like that oh yeah like it is it is, it is a bit crazy like especially now looking back on it as an adult I'm like yeah that's like not a sound way to behave at all there's lots it, of parents who and I guess it's probably because they are giving up so much of their own yeah that's true they almost feel like this has to work because I have not got up at 5am four days a yeah. week and run you to swimming before work for you to not perform like do you know what I mean so yeah mental so it's almost like they start to like vicariously try and live through them isn't it yes, uh, anyways. 100%. 100%. Yeah. but it's weird isn't it because you see in many examples where that actually um for some people breeds them into the champions that they are look at like yeah. the Williams sisters for example okay. it's like their dad was so hard on them but did that did that make them the person? It's you know it's it's one of those things you don't really know. It's like yeah. nature nurture all that. You like you're never gonna know. But it's I, I personally know. Like again, played at a, a, a much lower, not uh, elite level like you did, Holly, with your sport. But at football, but my mum and dad were very chill. They yeah. were like, but it did come to a point when I was when I was like 16 and I started to have to train further away because girls football. It, it just wasn't as big back then <laughs> god sounds ages ago but it was big back then but um it was like I had to travel quite far away and my mum and dad was like are you serious about this because yeah. this is actually quite a big investment for us to be taking you there and and I did it for like a year and then it got to a point where again I went to college and just started to have more of a social life but um it is it's it's their time as well and I don't think you really truly appreciate that until you're an adult, an adult yourself no, definitely not. I certainly didn't anyway. And I like to think of myself, I, I was quite a considerate kid. Like I would always be like, you know, like, like when it's your mum and dad's birthday or something like in the card, I'd always be like, thank you for everything you do for me. Like, I wasn't there a bit, but now as an adult, I'm just like, are you literally like dropping me off at school and then driving to your own school and then teaching a full day's worth of PE lessons and then doing the same thing? In yeah, the- yeah. And then, like, someone's trying to, like, sort my brother out because, like, I'm not an only child. (laughs) I actually have a brother. So, like, somebody has to stay with him as well. So, like, yeah. You've kept that one quiet until now. Your poor brother's (laughs) just just hanging on the sidelines. Also, thanks to Elliot for, you know. So, you uh, you mentioned a lot about um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. And that's the sport that you've got into recently. Yeah. um tell us a little bit more about that how that came about and um even maybe how that ties into to swimming and stuff yeah um so 
one of my colleagues, colleague, I don't know why I'm saying colleague, he's like one of my best mates, um, <laughs> has been for a long time. Um, and back when I worked at David Lloyd, he, he was competing on a show that was quite a big show. Um, so me and a couple of the other PTs went to watch to just support him really. And I remember firstly having no idea what I was watching. Like I've never watched MMA before or anything like that. Like, I just couldn't, I was like, I don't understand what's like, what is what they're even trying to do. Like I don't get it at all. Um, so like people around me that obviously did it themselves were like trying to help and explain and stuff. And towards the end of the show, I was like, getting a little bit more into it and there was there was I think it might have been the only female fight on the card or maybe there was like two of them but I remember watching these two girls fight and just thinking this is the most bad bitch thing I have ever <laughs> I was like awestruck by it I was just like I want to be able to do that like that is so cool yeah. um so yeah the next day I texted my friend and I was like I want to I want to start jiu-jitsu I want to do what you do and I went to my first class and the rest is history really um yeah, I wouldn't, i known he'd done it for ages and I'd just never shown any interest. And even like, no offense to him or any of the other lads on the card, but like, I just, I was like, I have literally got no idea what's going on here. And then I watched these girls fight and I was like, that is amazing. Yeah. I need to do that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> well, how many years have you been doing that now? Um, it'll be four in summer. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. I would love to give it a go. I genuinely would. Jess, you, Jess would be good at it. You'd be good at it. I would love to give it a go again yeah. it, it's one of those things that there, there is certain places around here but um Matt my partner's really into it like he watches it on telly like every weekend um but there's I don't think there's many females around here who do it there there are a few like I think there's maybe one uh club that I know of but it's just like all guys and I know there's nothing wrong with that yeah. but I think for me to start with I would probably feel more comfortable doing it with gals yeah I think it's I think it's interesting, Holly, as well, that you said that you saw it, you thought it was cool, and then the next day you went. Because I've got this, used to be a client now, good friend, and she really wanted to do it. And I was like, I don't understand why you don't just just go. Like, I even know of a school that's near where I live, and she lived near me. So I was like, I don't, it's right there, just go. She's like, oh, no, I don't know. And then she's like, no, I'm going to go. I was like, okay. that She said that, no word of a lie, for 18 months. <laughs> 18 months to the point where if she mentioned it to me I just wouldn't, wouldn't reply because I'm like I'm sick of this conversation we've had it 10 times and now that was years ago and now she is literally obsessed with it she yeah. has it at the weekend her partner is um a teacher they do it together for like hours and hours on end she talks about it all the time it's all she ever posts about on social media and I'm like yeah we're allowed to swear on the pod I said I told you I said I knew you'd be good at it I knew you'd love it I knew you had like that little edge in you to do it it took you a year and a half that's a lesson to anyone who's yeah. listening you I'm never doing... know it might be something that literally like changes your entire existence so just go if you want to go, yeah. just go how often how often do we say as well like what if you are the best Pottery, pottery maker but you've never given pottery a go yeah. what if you are the best windsurfer and you've mm -hmm. never done it it's like just go and do it and like have a good time and also I think there's also so much pressure like we've said before on being good at something and it's like yeah. I think probably in that as well example as well Holly like you probably are horrendous to start with right but that's the good thing about it it's very humbling yeah. like yeah. that's something that I was not prepared for at all like at like as I said before, like, my parents are very sporty people. Mm. Like, I'm not going to lie. I got lucky in the, like, athleticism genes mm. department. Like, 
you know how some people are just naturally good at art like my whole life I've just naturally been quite good at sport like most things I've tried have come quite easy to me yeah it was such a shock to the system when I started jiu-jitsu because you are you're terrible it doesn't matter how how naturally athletic you are it's a skill-based sport yeah. no skill like you literally don't know anything you're fucking awful because you don't you just don't you have you don't know what's going on like genuinely um so again like my little competitive brain was like I like I cannot allow myself to be this bad at a sport this is it we are all in on jiu-jitsu now (laughs) every day until you're not this shit anymore um but yeah I think that is definitely like a everyone goes through that like when we get new people at the gym all the time they're like I just don't I just don't understand what's going on and I'm like that is part of the process like it sounds stupid but you do just have to keep turning up it's like being given I always liken it to being given like random pieces of an enormous jigsaw puzzle and you don't even know like what you're trying to make like you don't even know what picture is on the puzzle you're just collecting all these random pieces and then eventually some of the pieces are going to start fitting together and you'll be like ah okay so at least that tiny little bit of technique makes sense to me now but that takes like months to happen. Like, mm. I reckon I was six months into jujitsu before I felt like I had like any idea of what was going on when people were trying to roll with me. I used to be so apologetic to people. Like, I'm sorry, I'm so shit. I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> God, that, yeah. That's a lesson, guys, listeners. <laughs> Naturally athletic person, six months to even start to understand something. Yeah. Because I'd say not to six months is probably the can't you know oh can't be asked oh but magic happens after a certain amount of time and you just if you want to obviously don't want to be a pushy soccer mum but if you want to do it then you're just gonna have to be okay with being a beginner at something. But that analogy, that analogy that you used about the jigsaw puzzle, right? How relative to that is with people in the gym as well? It's exactly the same. It's like. It, it doesn't make sense to people to start with like what what do you mean a hinge or whatever when they're brand new it and it's only when the, yeah it shouldn't make sense it's like you, it, you're often asking your body to move in ways that aren't normally your movement pattern or movement patterns you've ever done so yeah. it's like it's just trying to get people to realize that you've got to like suck it and see is essentially it just you keep sucking and then you'll see over time yeah. that's it yeah God, yeah. How many times you had that conversation with a client? Oh, it's not yeah. supposed to make sense. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, if you did, it'd be a bit odd to be honest, because you only just got here. <laughs> Can you imagine if you showed someone a hinge for the first time and they were like, "Got it. See you later. Bye." I have had some people. Well, what did we call them the other day? It was like pushers and players. It's like natural adapters, like people that just are gifted mm. and you know, some people are just really good at music, and you're like, how? Or like, yeah, I don't get it. I, I think I'm getting annoyed because I'm not naturally good at anything. <laughs> you are. You just don't see it. Like maybe I'm really good it. at pottery, like you said. I just haven't tried it yet. <laughs> I think there's like obvious categories for it, like music and sport, and like I don't know, like academic stuff, like maths and whatnot, yeah. and like art. But like, just because it doesn't fall into like a super one of those super obvious categories, doesn't mean that there isn't something that you're just like naturally really good at I think everybody has that yeah oh yeah I'm sure there's one thing out there that my my partner's um Dan he's just so good at music yeah he's just so good 
And I'm just like, how do you like? <laughs> He's got two guitars, and I'll pick it up, and I'm like, this <laughs> makes absolutely. And he he can just Google a song or listen to it, and then just play it. And I'm like, that makes no sense. I'm how super, do you do that? Not, like super jealous. Like I am not naturally musical at all. I played guitar all the way through primary school. Like literally Thank for like. You like six years I'm not even joking I had lessons for like six years if you put a guitar in my hand I would not know what to do no with it. that's that so interesting that's how bad I am at music it just if, honestly if you gave me a guitar I'd be like um <laughs> that's so interesting because you I think you think that some people are naturally good at things but no people are natural can be naturally athletic um naturally good at music just maybe yeah I think I think what well, I'm quite good with words and and um putting sentences together <laughs> well that didn't sound like you were very good with words at all <laughs> there was an um mm, take that back <laughs> why don't you just add essentially to the end and then you'll have really yeah. you'll have really nailed it I yeah I can have can I just have that yeah, good right. you, you can you can but not in that sentence that you just used <laughs> I'll let you have that one any right, other time enough about my speaking skills Holly you spoke yeah. a little bit about how you um once you got into lifting and stuff when you were a bit younger you built a uh social media following and how you spoke a little bit about how you attached your self-worth to body and then I think most of us in fitness have also we attach it to one thing and then we we decide it's too obsessive so we pick something else but we just switch it I know I won't be obsessed with that anymore but you know what I will be obsessed with this <laughs> no, that was talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, your experience with that yeah that was exactly what happened um so obviously I went to uni I had stopped swimming by this point felt like I didn't even know who I was I was like honestly just felt like so lost without having that because it had been such a huge part of who I was for so long combined with pretty some pretty rapid weight gain so I got into lifting um and initially it was it was kind of in an attempt to like regain my like swimming physique I guess yeah um, and yeah then I lost a lot of weight gained all these Instagram followers and that was like that sort of reaffirmed to me the fact that I was like oh right yeah like this you know, having this athletic physique, being this sporty person, like that makes me worthy. Like that is my identity. That's who I am. Um, yeah. And then eventually, obviously, as I sort of became like more aware of diet culture and body image stuff and just generally how like booked the fitness industry can be with regards yep. to that, I was like, I don't think this is a message that I want to push anymore. Like I don't want this page to be like solely about like me and my body, like, I don't want people to come to my Instagram and feel shit about themselves. Like I just, I don't want to do that anymore. So I sort of stopped caring about how I looked, but got very, very obsessed with how much I could lift. Um, so the page was still very much about me. It just wasn't about my ass anymore. It was about instead. Which again, it's just one thing to the next. Um, and I actually... Starting jiu-jitsu was very good for me in that regard. That kind of helps me to tackle that issue because it's such a high-demand sport. Um, 
especially when you're training it often, which I am, or I especially was at the time because I wanted to get better as quick as possible because I was so frustrated at how shit I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pick up a lot of like niggly injuries. Some, I mean, sometimes you pick up serious injuries, but oh. you do with any sport. Um, and yeah, so how I lifted had to drastically change. Um, I had to take time away from certain exercises to work around, you know, little niggles that I was picking up in on the mats all the time. Um, and my head fell off like completely. Like I just could not cope with the fact that I wasn't lifting what I used to lift. I couldn't cope with the fact that I would probably like the PBs I had hit when I was doing like very powerlifting style training, like I would probably never hit again. Like, especially, especially because I tied so, and I wasn't even on Instagram at that point when I was training, I like at my strongest, I wasn't even using Instagram. I hadn't posted on there for like 18 months. So this wasn't even tied to that, like external validation of people being like, wow, you're so strong. Like this was all just like me. And I think that definitely did come from like the swimming thing, like just replacing that with like, I am a swimmer to like, I am like a strong person. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I felt like I was losing that, I just like, like, I'm very grateful to my coach because, oh my God, the amount of WhatsApp breakdowns he dealt with during that time was a lot. Um, but yeah, jujitsu kind of forced me to let go of being obsessed with the strong thing and finding a more sustainable approach to fitness itself really because like he said to me he was like look you've got two choices you either keep lifting how you used to lift and maybe you maintain some strength but you feel like you've been run over by a bus every time you wake up and you perform terribly on the mats because you're just so beat up all the time and you're probably still not going to be that strong because you're still trying to do these two things at once or we change the focus of lifting to bringing up the areas that you've neglected by training in this super one-dimensional squat bench deadlift way for so long um and you feel decent and you perform well on the mats and you're still strong ish in the gym it's not like you're gonna like lose everything you're just probably not gonna pb your deadlift and squat anymore and like you can be okay with that um so yeah that was not an easy process to go through, but one that I am glad that I went through because at the time I don't think I had realized, like looking back on it, it's super obvious. But at the time it was like, I literally swapped swimming for like bodybuilding essentially. And then swapped bodybuilding for powerlifting essentially. Like, and all through that, I still didn't really know who I was without sport. Like I still, it, I don't think it was ever really a particularly healthy, like lifelong suitable approach to what what do you think was different about BJJ that made you have that realization and it might not have been the sport necessarily but um I guess it's like asking what what's different about that swap in opposed to the other swaps um I think with jiu-jitsu like obviously I want to be good but like I don't really care Mm. about how good I am if that makes sense like I do you know what I mean? I don't want to go to Worlds and like win world medals or anything like that. Like I'm not bothered. And I don't know if maybe part of that is knowing that I probably never will because I started it too late. Mm. Like you, jujitsu now, like, and again, Hardy's the person who originally got me into it, who's been doing it, I don't know, I think it's like 
seven or eight years maybe um, that's probably wrong it might be longer um but he says like starting jujitsu now it's like an entirely different beast because it's so popular and it's gained such rapid popularity in the last five years you've got like 20 year old black belts like people at like the highest level they've been training since they were like six yeah you start you start at 21 you're never gonna get near them yeah like you can train unless you are genuinely just like some sort of like freak of nature and you've just got it and you decide to go full time and you pour everything into this sport then you know maybe but for most average people who are just doing it because they like it the chance of you getting to that level is so small because just because of the fact that in America you've got all these kids that would probably absolutely annihilate most adults twice that size like it I think yeah I don't know if it's that that just kind of forced me to not care or if Mm. I like to think that you know there was some personal development went on there (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely I just wondered if I know I'm never gonna be that good um but yeah it feels a lot more chilled I also think because I'm so competitive jiu-jitsu provided like a really healthy outlet for that because the training is competitive like every day you you will have like at least sort of four or five rounds with different people and every single one of those rounds is a competition even if you're not focusing on winning the round even if you're focusing on something really specific within that so I just don't feel like I have that need to be like the best at stuff anymore Mm. because there's like a healthier daily outlet for that like desire to win I guess yeah yeah that makes sense and you do hear a lot of positive things about it as a sport like um like you say it's obviously uh, like had a huge increase in popularity over the last few years um even just through social media like so you you see what people talk about it when they say it's like quite a humbling thing like you could go in there and you could be the CEO of a company but you go in there and you're wiping the mats down or whatever like it's like it's a it's a very like it brings you back down to earth type of thing so I can from what I've gathered from stuff that people have spoke about online and like how you talk about it is it breeds a different type of person rather than maybe like that I need to be the best to go to the Olympic sort of attitude it's like yeah, I want to be the best, but I want to be the best version of me, not the best version of this athlete that I've got in my head. It's actually like, I just want to see that I'm making that Um, self-improvement. And I think that's nice. And I think that's, that's how I feel a lot about the gym, to be fair, is like those little like notches that you see in your own development. It's not for anybody else. It's like nobody else is seeing, seeing it. And I'm not, I'm not going to go to the, to the Olympics with my single arm row, (laughs) but I'm like, (laughs) but it's like, yeah, do you know what? That looks decent this week. I'm yeah. pretty happy with that. That's nice. Or that felt really good. Or that was a really good session. Do I need to tell anyone about it? No, I'm quite happy just keeping that to myself. But that's I think that's what the gym definitely brought me over the years. Um, and you can find that in different ways, can't you? People find it in sport. People find it in how they, I don't know, present their house or whatever it might be. They they We all have our own vices. You know what I love about it, though? I love that I, I'm a big believer in that we should all do more of something that makes us not look at the time or see what's going on mm, and um, yeah. a, a current client of mine I encourage her to start jiu-jitsu which is odd. I've never done it but sometimes she's really naturally strong but she's really quite not necessarily like a big social person but she's got this energy like you know like she's like 
when she she says she sits at her desk and her legs just tap in it's like she's got something in her and but she's quite shy and doesn't you know she doesn't go out at the weekend and she spends quite a lot of time just like chilling and stuff and I said why don't you do jujitsu and she was like oh uh, I don't know I never really thought about it. and I said can you just try it so I actually put her in touch with the girl that I told you about earlier and I said can you see what it she does it all the time now <laughs> because she's got this energy and I was just like you need to because we sit obviously you know it's not exactly unknown that we sit and watch tv after work and you know people who do nine five it's like okay finish work at five go to bed at what half ten at eleven probably most people you got six hours there mm. like you're gonna why don't you just do something that makes you you can't look at your phone because you can't you're doing something that's going to improve your fitness but not necessarily targeted at you know constant productivity improvement improvement like growth 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 it's just you're just doing something that's challenging your brain challenging your body and making you forget that yeah. you know, time is a thing that time exists I mm-hmm. think it's, and like Jess said it doesn't have to be could be anything like you said Holly like painting or playing the guitar or whatever and I just think it's important that we find or look for something that you know walking your dog yeah even if it's that you know just do something that's not like constantly keeps you stimulated in a negative way you know Mm. I think that's another reason why like like what Jess was asking about how is like the like why do I think jujitsu is like a healthier approach for me now like why is that not just another swap and I think that kind of like mental aspect to it really helps with that like Mm. I've got a very busy brain like I'm a massive overthinker which I think is part of the reason why I struggled with like putting pressure on myself with swimming because you're just staring at the tiles on the bottom of the pool for like two hours like that's a lot of thinking time for a teenager um <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of time that's to, a lot of thinking time yeah. um but with jujitsu like it, like I do practice mindfulness like I like journaling and stuff but the whole meditation thing is like never really clicked for me like no matter mm-hmm. how hard I've tried like it's just not really my thing but when I do jujitsu, this sounds super cheesy, but it is the truth. Like it is the only time that I feel like fully present in the moment. Yeah. Like I'm not thinking about the work I've got to do when I get home mm. or whether or not we're running out of dog food or like anything. Like I'm just not thinking about anything else other than what's happening in that role because you can't afford to, otherwise you're going to get twatted. Like you, mm. <laughs> you can't afford to be distracted. You have to be mm. thinking about what's going on and the next step of what might have happened from here. Um, so it almost is a bit like meditation in that aspect that like from a mental health perspective, I feel like it's been really good for me because it's just an hour every night I train where my brain feels quiet for a sec yeah. and I'm not like thinking about, anything really outside of that room and that's really nice um and I think a lot of sport can have that effect but that's mm. I've just definitely found it to be the strongest right. with mm-hmm. um yeah and I think that's another reason why it's so good for like like what you were saying about your client with the energy like it is really good for like burning off that energy because yeah. it's not like it's 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 such mental problem solving as well like like I do think obviously I said before that like everyone starts from the same place and they do but once you've built up that basic level of skill 
it would be a lie to say athleticism isn't going to help you, but it would also be a lie to say intelligence isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you are effectively trying to outsmart your opponent, that's all you're trying to do. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting. That present moment thing you said is really important because Dan and I were talking about that last night, how we, we never do that. Who just sits there and thinks about now and doesn't think we're doing the pod tomorrow? Oh, we need to do that. Oh, remember, I've got to do that. It's like, is it? Oh, God, I know Holly said, I don't hate to sound cheesy, but I'm going to sound super cheesy. Um, uh, Untethered Soul by Eckhart Tolle, like really famous book. He always says that by not being present, you're saying that a moment in the future that hasn't happened yet and might not even happen is more important than the one you're in now that's literally happening right now. Yeah. And it's like, that's so important to just, just, you're doing this now so like this podcast right we're we're doing this podcast together now I'm not well I'm thinking about the podcast and what you're saying I'm not thinking about well now I am because I'm thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) now I'm thinking about my breakfast but (laughs) no but it's just important to like right we're doing this now it doesn't let's not think about what's happening like because this is what we're doing now and I think so many people struggle with it and I think exercise is one of those things where unless you're really distracted like you're doing your deadlifts now you need yeah, to think yeah, about yeah. those deadlifts otherwise yeah, yeah. something bad might happen or you're doing yeah. your just focus on this or and I think that's why obviously we can all say as exercise advocates that yeah why we think it's so important and I think as well it's um it's one of those things that comes with practice I had a client in the gym yesterday and she sat down on the bench um she went to go do bench press she went first rep was she was like bloody hell like around with a dumbbell went one way and she went oh my god what happened there she went I just went really complacent then I just sat down and I didn't think about what I was doing she was like wow. I just she just I just switched off and I was like but we need them moments early on in our training to teach us like you can't do that that's you can't do that and I was also <laughs> like when you if someone says like you're never going to get injured you're never going to do this it's like you can't guarantee that but I tell you what when you do hurt yourself it teaches you a lesson very quickly that you're not going to do that again so like if you're not paying attention to that lift or if you didn't set up right like you would normally or whatever it might be she was like well she was like, I won't do that again she was like I just kind of just thought yep right I just need to get this done and just didn't think she was like I just wasn't wasn't fully present which is what we're talking about um you mentioned a little bit, well, Sasha's obviously just mentioned time off your phone and stuff like that. Um, and you mentioned uh, your social media following grew really quickly when you first started out. Like, uh, was that when you were first coaching or when you were just kind of first monitoring um, your journey? Or Yeah, both really. Um, so I started the account before I was working in the gym. I was still right. lifeguarding at the time, which was horrendous. That's what's that, that, I've actually got the lifeguarding to thank for getting me into fitness because I was just desperate to not be on poolside oh really um <laughs> yeah um so I started it just sort of it was sort of like track as is the the cliche it was like tracking my own weight loss journey initially like post uni um and then I think it was like the Christmas of that year that I qualified so but at okay. that point like I would be lying if I was saying it was a coaching account like I was like trying to be a fitness influencer yeah. so embarrassing. but that is what I was trying to do at the time but I'm not gonna lie um 
<laughs> but at least you're transparent about it. Yeah. So obviously social media, you, you mentioned um, before we jumped on this uh, recording today, we were, we were all talking a little bit around TikTok and we were talking how you'd been spammed in your comments of a video and you've not been on your phone for a few days. So that was a nice welcome back. But what sort of boundaries do you set up in place with social media being such a big part of your business to help keep yourself sane? Yeah, so this is something that I'm not great at. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, But what I will say is that so I try to plan all my content in advance so that I don't get stressed by it because I know that as much as I wish it wasn't, it is unfortunately important to my business, especially now I'm not in a busy commercial gym. Yeah. The gym that I work at, I actually work at the gym where I do jiu-jitsu. You wouldn't even know it was there from the street. Like you yeah, honestly, but... it's just a doorway. Like you would have no idea there was a gym there. So like yeah. I'm not so obviously in front of people. Like when I was at David Lloyd, people would just see me training a client and then they'd come over at the end and be like hi I would like some PT like it was that yeah. it was that easy like people just had to see you doing your thing and they were either like interested or not um but now obviously I don't have that so I'm very aware that social media is important so I try to plan everything in advance in advance at least a little bit in advance so that it doesn't stress me out being like oh my god I've not posted in like four days but Mm-hmm. algorithm blah 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 like, I'm gonna have to like I try to be like quite strict with it um I, like I said I'm not great with the boundaries thing I definitely spend too much time on social media but it bothers me a lot less these days than it used to um mm-hmm. which is I think the good thing like bothers me less in the sense of like comments and stuff like once over like I would have taken that video down right yeah if, if I'd have got like two comments of someone telling me that they disagreed with what I was saying and that I was doing it wrong yeah I literally would have deleted it yeah I'd probably cry, like <laughs> 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 yeah I would have <laughs> you're laughing but like I'm there like <laughs> yeah I would still cry <laughs> I was just about to say let's do that now <laughs> Yeah, Holly's Holly's sat there like, yeah, I would have. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would cry. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't cry, but I would literally like. I, as Sash knows, like, I hate confrontation. It's just not my. It's not my vibe. I'm the person who apologizes at football. Like you apologize on the mats. I'm like, I'm so sorry, and then someone's like calling me a c-bomb and I'm like I'm so, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I won't step on your toes again bye but if you never want what's that that saying it's like if you if you want to achieve something then you people are gonna not like it you're yeah. gonna always have critics aren't you're you especially always like... gonna have and if you don't there's probably something going wrong somewhere yeah, yeah I had yeah. just remember that comment I had on my reel I yeah I... you you did the same though you deleted it didn't you I deleted it Sorry. I deleted the comment because it was actually so bad that I thought, I don't know, I, Holly, I, I can't find it. What did it say? It was so bad. I thought it was, I thought you were on about the story that that guy messaged you in the night, that one. No, that's, yeah, that's a different one. But this one was a reel that I did saying like uh, unhealthy things that I used to do in the pursuit of health. And it got, uh, you know, when your reel randomly just gets thousands of views and it's like no one that you even cared to watch it. Um, it was just this guy in America who had a picture of him with like a gun. And um, and he said, like, you are mentally unwell. You need psychiatric help. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and you know what? A few years ago, I would have been like, maybe I maybe I do but I literally I was like this is the best comment I've ever got <laughs> yeah. I just don't let stuff 
like bother me anymore like so when I first started posting on TikTok all I'm doing is recycling my Instagram content yeah. I don't even know how to use it honestly I just upload <laughs> the full video that I've already edited and just like post hope for the best um and like this isn't the one that that we're talking about the one that's blown up a bit but someone put like and again it was some like 50 odd year old bloke and he literally put don't post lifting advice if you're chubby and don't have muscles oh. <laughs> okay thank you and I just deleted it and like honestly <laughs> didn't think twice about it but like yeah. that was that was actually like a nice like moment for me because I was like that shows how like what a yeah. good place I'm in like my body image now that yeah. like, honestly just doesn't bother me but like oh god like if someone had posted that on my Instagram when I first started out I'd have probably deleted the whole account never mind the post I'd have been like, <laughs> like can't do this anymore Don't but yeah like I think I would class that as a boundary that I'm just generally a lot less bothered, bothered. by stuff. but also with my content as well like not that I'm not bothered about whether the content's good or not but I used to be such a perfectionist mm. like whereas now like if I've made a mistake or I've like said something like a little bit wrong in the past I would have just like not posted it I'd have been like I'm gonna have to refilm that now because I've said that one sentence wrong yeah. or because you know there's a tag sticking out my t-shirt or that mm-hmm. angle doesn't look nice like and I would have genuinely just not posted it and I used to get so stressed trying to make everything perfect whereas now I'm like nobody actually cares like no one's gonna yeah that's it I think if I've missed a word out of sentence I just I'll just post it because it's still gonna help someone yeah exactly yeah and I also I do think part of it like the bound the thing I know we just joked and stuff there and I I think stuff like that would only because probably I've got a smaller account than you so I don't get that as much sort of traction from (laughs) white (laughs) old men (laughs) <laughs> with guns in America but um oh, I do think it comes with a bit of an age thing because I think when you are younger you, you, when you're in your 20s you do still care about what people think of you like your early 20s especially like how you look or how you perceive but then the more skin in the game and the more you do the the work in the industry that we have to do where we talk a lot about like not giving a crap about what people think of you whether it's the first time going in the gym or owning your own body or whatever it might be it's like you grow with that as well so it almost is like you 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 practice what you preach you have to be able to give that advice as well to other people um I'm conscious of time and I've really got to get this question across so I'm going to just have you got any more left Sash no I've said all okay even all yours okay cool so obviously speaking of the fitness industry um a good one might be to to end on then so what sort of direction are you hoping the industry is going to go in um in the, the remainder of your career however long you see that pathing out in front of you um and is it anywhere different to to where it is currently yeah um so I think the sometimes I think this and then I'm like do I just exist in an echo chamber of good coaches is that why I think that things are changing um but I do think <laughs> <laughs> what did you say I was saying yes you do <laughs> To be honest, though, I think it's got it's hard to find that echo chamber. It's, it's, honestly, be aware of it, but don't try and leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Never. It's my safe place. <laughs> so what happens when I leave it and I go on TikTok? It's not good. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think I like to think that it is headed in a better direction. But then sometimes I think, is it just people just jumping on? trends like which I think is actually the case a lot of the time I think 
I would just like to see the industry care a little bit more and like not care as much about how much this is other coaches I mean and like influencers to an extent as well not care so much about how much money they can make and actually think about how the messaging that they're putting out might be affecting people like it's not an easy fix like we live in a society where like the thin ideal is such a massive thing and has been such a massive thing for years and diet culture in our media like it's so deeply entrenched um but we do have the ability to do something about that with our messaging but unfortunately I think a lot of coaches just play into it because it's an e- it's the easiest way to make yeah. money like yeah. whenever my business has been struggling it's so frustrating thinking about the fact that I'm just like oh I could just vlog a 12-week transformation yeah oh yeah I mean so, we never yeah. I have but yeah but like it's just not what I'm about like morally like I just can't I just couldn't because it's just not me it's not the message that I'm trying to put across but yeah I think I'd love to see it move in the direction of like less quick fixes more of a focus on like fitness as a lifelong strategy um and yeah I would like to see those that idea that like fat loss is this magic fix for all your problems in life like challenged rather than just constantly played into because people are trying to flog you a 12-week transformation challenge um Mm -hmm. because I think so many people do struggle with their body image and do struggle with their relationship with food but then you've got some like wanky fitness coach being like oh join up for my challenge and improve your relationship with food because oh, it's becoming more popular and this is what I mean oh. when I, say, I like to think it's heading in the right direction but is it actually just people jumping on trends because they're like oh this is trendy now yeah. like all, like yeah. a couple of years ago all all of a sudden all these influencers started talking about like their disordered relationship with food and I'm not saying they didn't have that Mm -hmm. but because you know influencers a lot of them probably do by the the pressure of the industry that they work in but it was like it's funny how you're all talking about this now when Mm. because it's become like a trendy thing it makes you more relatable than just having a shredded six-pack year-round it makes you more relatable to your audience if you have struggled with x y and z and sometimes I worry that when I think we're making progress, is it actually just people being like, this will help me sell more. This will make me more relatable because people are talking about this now. So I'll start talking about it as well, even if it's a complete lie, what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's a Scooby-Doo meme, isn't it? It's the, what what mask is it wearing? Type of thing. It's like, it's me. Um, but yeah, Sasha and I say this all the time. It's like the the contradiction between the marketing messages that people put out. It's almost like, it's difficult for us that maybe as coaches to be like how can maybe people not understand that that is a, a contradiction you know like what you said there where it's like drop x amount of weight in x period whilst improving your relationship with food yeah. it's like they're two they're two different camps that you're completely you're different completely different things but they both like if someone's basically saying you can have this and that at the same time someone's like oh my god thank god like I've been wanting that for ages yeah. it's almost like that like you say people are just saying what they think other people want to hear regardless of the fact if it actually breaks those promises isn't ethically right in many ways and um I think it's really like nice to hear you say um 
around the things that you and I and Sash know could make us money, could have an influx of business, whatever it is. But it's like, it's nice to know that there's other coaches out there who are the same, where it's like, I know I could do that, but that, I know that doesn't sit right with me. Um, and I guess that's, this is the echo chamber I want to be in. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah I always, uh, like I say to Jess all the time, like if, if sometimes Jess and I fall into a little trap of, you know, sending each other posts and just go, oh God, I can't, I just can't with this. And then I always say, honestly, I'd rather work in co-op. Yeah. <laughs> saying co-op, nothing wrong with you working co-op, but I'm just saying that if I got to a point where my business was struggling mm -hmm. and I thought that the only way out was to flog or sell out essentially to things that I know would probably make me quick a quick buck, I would honestly rather quit and go and work in maybe John Lewis, not co-op. I think it'd be nice <laughs> John Lewis. <laughs> but I would I could I couldn't live with it. I couldn't live with myself. I think I think that's the irony is it's like we're in an industry where we're helping people. Like we got into this because we wanted to help other people. But when it comes down to that, the those people who are selling it for a quick book are only about themselves. Yeah. And they're no in it for the quick. They're in it for the quick thing. Yeah. But it's no longer about them. Yeah, it's no yeah. longer about their coaching lifespan might be they might coach for three five years see how many challenges they can get out of it but I think sometimes I think they might not be thinking about a coaching career they're thinking about making some money now to maybe do something else in the future I'm like yeah that's for you but for it's the people for that into your business and give you their money and hope to get help from it that, that's not good <laughs> don't yeah, say definitely. it out loud <laughs> I think like with those sorts of coaches as well like it's the first rule of coaching not like do you no harm like do you know what I mean and I yeah, think come on. there's just they that I don't know if they just don't even register it or if they're just choosing to ignore I, it because they're I so say, on the yeah. money but like how many I'm like it's happened to me I'm presuming it's happened to you as well like I've had clients who've worked with other coaches and we have to spend so much time undoing the harm that that other coach did to them yeah. through their coaching efforts and it's like <laughs> yeah and it's so hard in that situation is it because you yeah. don't as, as again do no harm you don't want to if you're sitting with a new client and they're saying stuff you don't want to speak bad about the other coach but you want to help them to understand that it probably wasn't in their best interest it's such a hard conversation I find myself really having to be like Sasha don't bad mouth <laughs> don't bad mouth someone but also let them know that maybe yeah. there's probably a way that would have worked better it's so hard yeah. it's so 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 hard right mm. we're gonna have to wrap up yep um, so holly where can everyone find you <laughs> oh yeah um you can find me on instagram and now tiktok uh, um holly mm. emily jackson is just the handle and um all the information about working with me and more about my ethos and stuff um my business is called uplift fitness so it's at upliftfitness.co.uk lovely. lovely holly thanks so much for coming on lovely so lovely we meet we're very in sync um did you have fun i did it was i'm nowhere near as it wasn't as terrifying as i thought so yeah Good. <laughs> thanks so much for uh coming on um thanks for listening guys to episode 90 and Jess, you look like you got something on the end of your tongue. And as the queen promoter of this podcast, if you are listening <laughs> to this anywhere, don't forget to take a screenshot and put it on your story and tell us where you're listening to it, what you thought oh, of today's pod. Awesome.
I'll do better. I promise. I'm going to advertise the shit out of this one. It's going to be on, oh, bill- God, yeah. be on billboards, local co-op, <laughs> my new job, my new workplace co-op. I'm going to put yeah. it up on the thing. You wait. Right, Holly, thanks so much. And thanks, Holly. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye.